Welcome to the Wellness Pie Shop, where each episode we cut into a different slice of wellness to examine how our values and resilience nourish our daily lives. With the help of special guests and our own brand of irreverent insight, we'll dive into some of the ingredients that make up the whole of each of our wellness pies. We're your hosts, Dina Searden and Samaya Ding Lawson. Thanks for joining us. Now let's grab a cup of tea, sit back, relax, and join this week's discussion at the Wellness Pie Shop. Welcome to this week's Wellness Pie Shop. Today, it's just going to be Samaya and me, and we're going to be talking a little bit about what we've learned so far. Samaya, you said that you've actually listened to the podcasts, which for you is... (laughs) Yes, I did. And boy, they were really good. And I'm not just saying that. (laughs) What did you like about them? So Candice and Kara were both so different. Um, And I liked each one of them because they brought to the table things that were, I think, what I felt like thought provoking to me. Candice comes by, you know, comes through as being very just honest and genuine, but she brings up things like gratitude and things I think we take for granted every day. I don't know. What do you think about gratitude? Is that something that you're able to do every day? I think it's an admirable quality. (laughs) I think it's an admirable quality that I don't always have. (laughs) It's a hard one. Oh my gosh. So yeah, have gratitude for everything you have in your life, despite the challenges or things that are going on, I think um, is a good reminder that not everything's all bad, right? Yeah, that's true. And not only is it not bad, but there are things that even in the hard times we can still find gratitude for. Right. And I think that's what we talked about. Just, yes, I'm very sad. I'm grieving over the loss of maybe my dog or job or whatever happens. And I still have a roof over my head and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I'm looking out a clean window to a peaceful yard and that's a good thing. Yes. I think gratitude is something we should always remember, despite how like, yeah, like a shitty day. Cause at, at the end of the day, it's really not all that bad. Right. I forget to tell myself, this is just a moment of a day. It's not the entire day. It doesn't have to control and dictate my bad mood. You know, I don't have to just write it off. Like this day totally sucks. Right. Is to gratitude brings us back and centers us, I think, and makes us uh, be present, right. For the things that we are grateful for. I like how you said that it brings us back and that's very true. There's a link between gratitude and presence, right? So to be mindful and present, and I think that's what gratitude gives us is the ability to reflect back on where we're at in this moment today, struggling with anxiety all my whole entire life. What I, what I, the worries that I have, I'm always thinking about what's going to happen or not happen in the future and, or what's, what's happened in the past. Right. I think what gratitude gives me is the opportunity to be in the present and to be mindful of what, what do I have to be grateful for today in this moment? And I think that's the biggest gift it can give me for someone who struggles with anxiety is you have Mm. some control over that ability to be able to be present. And it is a tool. Gratitude is one of those tools that we can use to be like, okay, it's really not that bad right now in this moment you know, I can breathe. The sun is shining. You know, my kids are happy. And then it forces me to be here instead of way over there or way back there. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And I, and I had never really honestly thought about gratitude as a tool before. It's, right. This is, this is a value-based show. <laughs> right. I lost, I lost sight of what our, what our theme is for the show, but no, but it's, it's absolutely true. I, that's the thing about values is for one person, it can really encapsulate their, who they are as a person. They're filled with gratitude. They, so for them, it, it, it encapsulates their value. It encapsulates who they are as a person. And that's the value. Mm. However, one person's value, I suppose, can be another person's tool to use Mm. in life for anxiety, for depression, for whatever it is that they feel like it fits. And I think that's why having a show about values is helpful because it's not just values. Does that make sense? Totally. It totally makes sense. It does. It makes absolute sense. I was going to say, I've had a few people come to me and say, it's like being in a therapy session. And it's like, okay, what is it about talking to people about their values that has therapeutic value? <laughs> That's so, so people have given you that feedback. That's yes. so interesting. Yes. Um, people being people one that, person, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> or one listener. <laughs> I'm dying right now. Okay. So bring it back, bring it back. Would it, was it a person we actually interviewed or was it no, a listener? It was a listener. Really? I find yes. that so interesting because for them, that's, yeah, that's what they take away from that. Right. Um, and I wonder if that was, they obviously had been in therapy because they were able to relate their personal experience to that. So I wonder what it is about our podcast that makes it feel like a therapeutic session. Besides the fact that we're therapists <laughs> or have therapists on, I don't know. I mean, yeah, geez, I wonder, hmm. um, it, it is and it is. So it's like, we talk from an individual perspective, but you said it in the last, I think it was with Kara's interview, how it starts off kind of individual and then it moves on to what society's ideas and views of or values. And, and we connect the, I think the individual with the community, right. And from society on a larger level. Um, and that's what I like about it is it's all interconnected. Right. And I love that. I mean, because that's how life is. We are one we are an individual and separate at the same time. I think that what works is the humanness and the humanness when we feel so alone in the collective. Yeah. And it's amazing how in a moment we can say, oh, everything's so interconnected and we have this sort of epiphanous moment of we are all one, trees talk to each other, the rock is my friend. And, um, <laughs> and then in the next moment we feel lonely or we feel uncared for, or there's a silence in our hearts because we're not speaking from there or we're not being talked to, to there. You know, maybe what we're talking about on the show is touching people there is being able to get in and touch and have conversations with the heart that people don't get to have very often. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think connection is so important and uh, Candace brings that up as one of her values, but the idea of feeling connected to other people, right. That we're tethered to other people that care about us is important to feel, especially in a, in a moment, like with, with the pandemic and sometimes with the holidays rolling around, we can feel even more extra lonelier, you know, or alone. Yeah. And I, and I'm just thinking I've been actually watching more TV than I normally do which is not saying it's a lot, but you know, an hour a day, three days a week. 
I think one of the common threads there is that struggle comes when people feel separated from one another, whether that's in a relationship, whether that's, you know, in a thriller, when somebody's, I I mean, I love books about, I I know I'm talking about TV shows, but I'm going to come back. I promise. I love books about, you know, like spy novels or I love Patricia Cornwell and her serial murder stories and stuff, which is kind of crazy because I think people are so cruel to one another. And yet I read this stuff. I don't know, but on TV shows or movies or whatever that, that dive into that, like who is the character that encapsulates, um, I keep using that word. Who is the character that what kind of human can harm another human? Mm. And now see, I've gone off. But I'm thinking that I I think, I think that that is, it's a question that we have. It's a question that we have. And we all have that part of us that feels alone. And it's that aloneness and that hurt and the harm that can hurt other people. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know. I feel like I'm really going a circuitous route to get to, I don't even know what. What is your point? I think the point is the importance. (laughs) I'm going to rein you back in right now. Okay, thank you. I think the importance is again connection, right? Those people that are disconnected, that had no family, no parents growing up, they were alone and isolated, abused, neglected, right? Disconnected from everyone. How we see how they grow up and what they turn into and how they can possibly hurt other people, right? Because they never had a sense of a connection with any human being. Anyway, not even maybe not their parents, but maybe not an aunt or uncle or neighbor or teacher. Those are the ones that feel totally and completely isolated and alone in this world, you know, because Um, they don't even learn how to connect with themselves. They don't. Because if you're able to connect with yourself, you're able to connect with others. Right. So I think that's the point you were trying to make. Probably. It was about going back to Candace's, you know, value of connection. <laughs> it absolutely is about, it, it all goes back to connection. It's not just about the podcast that we've done, but I think everything that we've talked about has also given me, has piqued my interest to, to interviewing other folks that maybe have had a more circuitous route to discover their values and I think, you know, for our listeners, we, I'm really excited to have a couple of actors come on and mm-hmm. be able to talk about their experience with values because I have become completely 100%, not even more, if it's possible to be more than hundred percent of anything, I have been obsessed with killing Eve. And right. you know, this Tell about me, about me. This. Yes. I know. And for those who've seen it, they already know this, but for those who haven't, it's a story about an MI6 agent and a female assassin and the relationship between the two. And it's this cat and mouse chasing one another sort of thing and the relationship that the two women build. But what fascinates me is how the main character Villanelle is able to, the actress who portrays her, how can she slip in and out of her reality and then the character's reality. Because as a female assassin, that already feels discordant, right? Because that's not something that you normally think of when you think of an assassin, you think of a guy with his sniper gun or something like that. So that's one thing already having to sort of go against the grain of a feminine portrayal in movies and film or rather film and TV and stuff. 
but how do you play like this cold-blooded person and in real life be a kind human being, right? Because I know that when I write in my pseudo writer role, (laughs) I start really getting into my characters and it's really challenging for me to switch because if I'm in that space of being someone else and looking at life through their eyes to come back to then Dina is really a challenge for me. And I, I go through a period of being really grumpy because I don't know. I don't want to say I don't know, but I'm, I'm just sort of coming back out of this uh, being this other person. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, totally. And so I'm just fascinated by these people and I'm not even, you know, I mean, I write as a hobby, as a kind of thing to spill all my guts out on a piece of paper or something, but it's not my living, right? It's not what I do for a living. So these folks that are doing it for a living who are writing or, or acting, you know, what happens, what happens within them and how do they know what's theirs and what's the characters? And mm. is it ever, is it possible that they walk away with a character's values at any point? Hmm. And I'm just, I'm so curious. So to have these uh, two actors coming on, I'm really excited about that. And I would love to get some writers and maybe, you know, just sort of creative types in general who have to shift between a persona and their true self. Mm. And actually, as I'm thinking about that, you know, I think we all have a persona. We, it's the masks that we wear, right? Yep. And we sort of move through life like that. So it's not just actors and writers and stuff, but I think that's sort of the extreme and helps illustrate that sometimes very divergent value system that a character might have versus. Well, it's funny that you say that because as I was thinking as social workers, I think we wear masks as well, right? Like we have to show up to work on point, professional, in tune with our clients' needs, empathetic, have supportive counseling, ready, ready to go, to be problem solvers, you know, cheer, cheerleaders. That's one of my jobs, a big cheerleader, you know, and to be like, oh, you can do this, right? To be on for like eight or whatever your, your shift is, 10 hours, right? Meeting the needs of other people. And then I know for me doing this 20 years, I have to consciously shift as I'm going home to parent my two active, wonderful, loving daughters. I still have to carry those same skills, but then shift it in a way. Right. So like, I think I have to take off my social work mask. Right. And then put on my mom mask, you know, and Mm. uh, then be mommy. And so like, I think it's a little similar in that we, we have to do the same thing. Does that make sense? Yes. That makes perfect sense. And Mm -hmm. I love that, that mirror that you just put up because it's very true. We all walk through life as actors. Mm-hmm. right? Isn't that what Shakespeare said? We, yeah. All of us are actors on a stage. I say that not quoting it exactly, but it's true. It's really true. And it's more than just two masks that we wear. We have multiple because we've got, you know, as a biracial person, you probably present yourself differently. I'm making a huge assumption here and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you may present yourself differently with your Filipino family than you do with your quote unquote white family. Right. And as a gay woman, I might present myself to a room full of soccer moms differently than I would to a room full of lesbians. Right. And my persona is, is going to change based on who I'm surrounded with. And so, yeah, sitting, sitting in a room with a client, you've got one mask on sitting in a room with all your college buddies that you have these shared drunken experiences with. (laughs) 
uh, is going to yeah. be a different, very different. And, you know, so I wonder when we talk about our authenticity, what is really authentic? Whoa. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how to, yeah, I don't. That's such a deep, profound question that I don't. That's I don't a Tuesday know. night question right it there. Is, it is. What's up? Mm, I got to think about that one for like 20 minutes. Um, what so, if they all are? I mean, why can't they all be authentic? You know, um, they're all, so we're multifaceted. We, we, like you said, we, we have different parts of ourselves. So why can't we have different personas and different masks or even different like values that Candace was talking about, you know, mm. how hers ebbs and flows and is fluid, but especially do you go through different phases of life, right? Our values change. So why couldn't all of that be authentic? Do you think that there, I mean, we go back to sort of that core of self. Mm-hmm. Is there a core of self that shows up through all the different personas, even though each of those are authentically who we are and are a facet of who we are? Mm-hmm. Is there some, are there those threads that are maintained throughout? And I think when I think about values or what's important to me, those would be the things that are, that would, those would be the threads. Because Agreed. if I think, if I think about what's important to me, it's fairness, mm-hmm. kindness, yeah. connection, and all of those, no matter what mask I'm wearing, except for the mother mask, because I'm not kind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was only this morning. Stopped it. Oh, all of those show up in all of those different facets of myself. Yes, you're right. So you said how it's threaded throughout. And I think that's exactly what is, is totally true is I think there's core fundamental values that we always have that don't change. Right. Um, and so if our masks change, things go and we go through different experiences in life, the fact that I, I, I want to be a good person, right. Or you're right. Fighting for justice or being kind and authentic. Those, I think those are values that I uphold no matter what mask or no matter what I'm doing in my life throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And even the challenges as a mom where I'm like, oh, I could like that. Like, again, I try to ground myself and center myself and be like, be kind, right. <laughs> Model for them. patience. So I agree with that. Like, I think there's also some level of values that will always be consistent throughout our life because they're so a part of who we are, no matter what mask we're, we're wearing. Right. So now I'm going to come back around, circle back around to the actor piece. Mm. What if the character that you're playing, what if that the values of that person are not consistent with the ones that are threaded throughout your life? It's when we have to play. And I think this is when our values become, come in conflict, right? Not just in acting, but in our lives when something that we hold important or see as an essential part of ourselves, we're not able to express that because it's in conflict with our workplace or our family or a group of friends. And so we become someone else or allow that value to, I don't know what, and that's, that's the piece that really interests me. Because what happens? Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to hear what they have to say. And I kind of wonder for actors and maybe even writers, like if there's a ritual that they do coming from, they're, they're doing their job to then switching, you know, I talked about hats or their masks. Is there a ritual they perform every day to help them psychologically and emotionally transform themselves back into 
themselves, right? So that they can go ahead, live, you know, with their daily life and not be in that character or right, or in that Mm. particular space. I would be curious to Mm -hmm. know if they do have some kind of ritual or some kind of thing that they do every day or something where they consciously have to do some shifting to, because that's such heavy, even though it's acting and super fun and exciting, it's got to be heavy work to be like a a sociopath (laughs) day in and day out, right? Like, how does that not mess with your psyche? There's got to be some grounding work or transitional. I speculate, maybe I don't know if that's the word, but I'm guessing for writers and for actors that play those heavy, deep, profound, complicated, sadomasochic, I don't kiss it. I don't know. Like, but these like evil roles, or there's gotta be some kind of way they transition back into their normal way of life or their personalities. Right. So I'm wondering if there's like, um, like they do some type of ritual or some kind of, I don't know, conscious activity to help them kind of transition back because to be like a sociopath every day, all day in, every day in and out, it's gotta be mentally and emotionally taxing and exhausting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was exactly my thought is, you know, what is it that you do to come back to self and Mm -hmm. to sort of pick up your values where you left them at the door in a sense. Yeah. So I'll be really interested to, to see what they have to say and to know, you know, because one of our guests is a former Marine who was Mm. deployed to the Middle East and, you know, how does that, we talk a lot at work about moral injury and the trauma that people experience and, you know, how, how does that jibe with your values and what does that look like? I think that you and I have seen people whose values have been torn apart and become yeah. that moral injury yeah. and make it so difficult and, you know, just to move, to function in your daily life. Because my, my belief is that that's what happens when, when we are in constant, when our values are in constant conflict with our lives around us, our surrounding reality, then we become, we have to develop coping mechanisms and they're often unhelpful once that's those situations have moved on Mm, or have passed. So working with a veteran closely for like over three years. And he was uh, combat uh, Afghanistan. You learn to consider your brothers or the people in your platoon as family, right? And so I think they incorporate a new value of camaraderie or brotherhood, but the need to protect each other at the expense of their own life, right? I think that's how they have to mentally and emotionally survive. That is, it becomes about protecting you and your brothers and sisters out there. And I think that supersedes everything, you know, uh, right. That they have, that they have to do. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and that, right. Those, those morals and values, those are their survival mechanisms for um, in the moment. Then, and it's when it the, come, right, they come home, totally. right. They go back to it's, civilian life and you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way anymore. Those values or the idea of doing whatever is necessary to survive doesn't really apply to the everyday life anymore. And how do you then deal with that? You know, how do you then find yourself and find maybe your old values or new values? It's difficult. I think you're right. That's why we see a lot of substance abuse and mental, mental health issues is because I think the inability to reconcile those two ways of living, right. And make sense of it or, or process or somehow deal with or, or move on from. 
Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. And I'm wondering, I'm also just so curious because people study personality, right? Sociopaths or psychopaths, people who just really have, they lack the ability to empathize. They lack compassion. They lack just their moral compass to use a overused expression. And, you know, some people are just born with this innate inability to connect with other people. And what I don't know, and what might be interesting is to have a guest on who knows something about, like, is there a biological something? Have they found a DNA marker or a genetic something going on in these folks that, uh, or, or what, or what is it that either allows you to be empathic or compassionate or to connect? Is that something we have? Is it something, or is there something added that makes a psychopath or that's something that's taken away that makes a psychopath or a sociopath? I don't know. I get, I just get so, I go down these rabbit holes and I, I just wonder, I just wonder. And if our listeners know anything about it, please let us know because <laughs> I don't know about Samaya. I can't speak for, for you, Samaya, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think it'll be, like you said, really interesting when we interview those two actors and really hear what their values are and um, how it impacts their life and, you know, makes them the people that they are. So that's kind of exciting to try and, or that we are going to interview different kinds of um, people. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think I would love to see more listener involvement and have them suggest either occupations that they think that we should try to get on the show or if they, if they know someone they think would be really interesting to be on the show, I would love for them to, to tell us that. So Maya and I have come up with a great idea for our listeners. And that is, we want you guys to get involved. And Mm -hmm. what that looks like for us is give us some names of people you'd like us to have on our show and we'll give you some wellness pie shop swag. We'll give you a, we'll give anyone who's able to Give us a name of someone to come on the show. We'll give you a wellness pie mug, a wellness pie reusable grocery bag, and oh yeah, some wellness pie shop stickers. <laughs> yes. So get to it. IG give us what, the, message us yes. on Instagram. Message um, us on we, Instagram. Message us on Facebook. Yep. Absolutely. Text us personally if you happen to have our, you know, personal information, phone number. That's right. Our personal that's right. <laughs> Please don't put it on our work email. No, not a good idea. That's a very bad idea. We get in a lot of trouble for that. Well, thank you for this fun discussion today. I think there was some really interesting stuff we brought up and we really do encourage our listeners to give us feedback. Even if you don't have somebody in mind for us to have on our show, we would love to hear from you. And please subscribe to our podcast and either on, on whatever platform you listen on like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, share with lots of friends. We're trying to get ourselves out there. So we appreciate everybody. And well, and I really appreciate you, Samaya. So thank you so oh much. Oh my God. You're welcome. And thank you for having me have a co- as a co-host. It's super fun and very cerebral. Like I have to really think about what I'm saying and I love it. I love it. I love it. I know. We don't get to have these kinds of conversations every day. So no, not every day. Miss them. Yes. yes. All right. Well, I guess I'll see you the next time on the wellness pie shop.
All right. See you then. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 